Slick Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning. It's good to be on with you. 13 hours. Remembering Benghazi, 9-11, September, uh, 9/11, September the 11th, 2012. The murder of an American ambassador at the consulate there in Libya and the cover-up that followed it. All of that was detailed in a book that became a movie that became a testimony by Mark Oz Geist and his companions that fought there to try to save their lives. That tried to at least save the lives of those in the, uh, the CIA station there and, and others. And he's going to be our guest today on the program. In fact, we recorded this conversation last week, and we're going to play the whole conversation for you today in this first hour. So all of the guest segments today in this first hour are going to be with uh, Mark Oz Geist today. So stick around for that. We're going to talk about 9-11 Benghazi. We're also going to talk about Afghanistan. And we're going to talk about the Shadow Warrior Project. So it's going to be a great show today. I'm seeing some news in the headlines that I don't love. And I may be creating some uh, short little video clips commenting on some of those. For instance, a Catholic, the governor of New York, Governor Hochul, says, Unvaxxed Christians aren't listening to God. God wants you vaccinated, according to her. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. I'm having. Fun. I'm getting flavors of uh, Galileo there in that. California parents seek court injunction blocking Aztec parents, uh, Aztec prayers rather in school. We've talked about that before. There's an update there, so I might be putting something out. You'll have to wait to see. Otherwise, we might comment on it tomorrow. But it's going to be a jam-packed show. We're going to have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and then we'll begin our conversation with Mark Oz Geist. And then, of course, uh, we'll have our game show in the second hour for all of you that are able to join us. Praise be to God. We have a great prize this week that we're giving away, and you could win, but you got to join us in the second hour for that. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. How's it going? Good. Yeah, praise yeah. God. Anything in the news stand out to you? Uh, uh, mostly what you just mentioned right now about the Aztec prayer. That was uh, interesting that in California, they're now praying to Aztec gods. and In praise- school. Praise God that parents yeah. are actually fighting against that. So, yeah, <laughs> they finally. They don't bother asking the questions to parents. The parents have to find <laughs> out the hard way. What'd you do today, Jimmy? Oh, I just offered a sacrifice to the Aztec gods. What? <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, someone should get fired, but we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Did you say speaking of which, referring mm-hmm. to me getting fired? That what? Was that out, you said, out loud? You said someone should get fired. Okay. Speaking of which, I'm, Adrian it's, I'm writing it down. Hmm. Uh, out loud versus inner voice. Hmm. Uh, work <laughs> on that. Got well, it. if Got uh, it. if I'm Got not it. here tomorrow, now y'all know why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so I see you dressed better today. Praise be to God. Almost hundred percent. Yes, I am You're, still wearing sandals today. Have you uh, removed the duct tape from the from the wounded? Oh my goodness! Sections? I took the duct tape off yesterday. I was soaking my feet in warm water, trying to rip the duct tape off. And oh my goodness, uh, it was so painful. 
I was like ripping the skin off my feet, and I was like, the rest of the day, I was like, I'm just laying in bed. I'm not standing anymore. I can't. I cannot. So I stayed in bed. I I slept probably like ten hours yesterday. Uh, yeah. It was um. Yeah. It was pretty great. I woke up. I was like, oh yeah, I feel much better. I stood up. Ah, and it's like, nope, nope, still not, not can't not wearing shoes. Can't do it. Uh, well, so, almost there. By Thursday, I think I'll be a hundred percent. Thursday. Well, good for you. Praise God. And Janice, you're planning to do some hiking this weekend. Yes, I'm going. I'm going to North Carolina this weekend. So super excited for that. That's exciting. Praise 26 God. miles. Yeah. I've only been to the North uh, Carolinas once. I spoke at a men's conference in Charlotte, and uh, other than that, I've not had the chance. I've always wanted to spend more time there. West Carolina or East. Uh, north or south? Oh, okay. You're my, thinking my of mistake. Virginia. My Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> they don't teach geography anymore in school, do they? Uh, nope. They wrap that in with history. It's not a court. Was that <laughs> actual like a whole class you took? Geography? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm I, pretty sure. I mean, I, I went to. I mean, it was like two centuries ago when I went to school. So, Who yeah, remembers? nearly, <laughs> nearly. I remember just taking a class about geography right. within history right me too me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> in brief i was like oh and there's a thing called geography but don't worry about it you don't have to know that either so let's i just <laughs> learned about different places in texas that's about it <laughs> all right praise be to god we're going to jump into our show again we have breaking news and stories saint of the day gospel of the day and then we will if we get a reflection and we will praise be to god and then we'll jump into our conversation about september the 11th 2012 in Benghazi, uh, a, an American ambassador was murdered there, and the men who fought and some died to try to save his life. It was a pretty uh, har- harrowing experience, and uh, unfortunately, there was an, a cover-up that ensued after. We're going to talk about all of that, plus Afghanistan, plus the Shadow Warrior Project with Mark Osgeitz. So that's coming up. Let's pray and, d- and jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember... O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is Janice Valenzuela, and these are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom signed two radical new abortion bills Wednesday, dramatically extending abortion safeguards in California in direct response to Texas' recent sweeping ban of nearly all abortions. In a recent statement by Newsom, he states, quote, California has been a leader in protecting access to sexual and reproductive rights. But as we've seen recently with unprecedented attacks on these rights, we can and must do more, end quote. From LifeSite News, if you are looking for factual evidence concerning COVID, there's great news. The World Council for Health launched September 22nd with a clear-cut mission to provide the latest unbiased scientific guidance as collected from around the world. These doctor, This doctor-led guidance is to help the public make the best health de- de- decisions. And it kicked off with the comprehensive evidence-based based guide as how to manage COVID at home. The World Council for Health is is an umbrella coalition starting with starting with 45 health focus groups from around the world. They will provide refreshingly honest medical leadership during the COVID health emergencies. 
and for many other matters of health now and in the future. From LifeSite News, sheriffs across the United States are rising up against Joe Biden's new vaccine mandate for private businesses vowing not to enforce coercive COVID vaccination requirements in their counties or for their workforces. Also from LifeSite News, United Airlines agreed on Friday to postpone enforcement of its mandate that employees take one of the COVID-19 vaccines, allowing businesses to continue as normal while the company better prepares its legal arguments to justify the policy. From Blaze News, the NBA denied a request for a COVID-19 vaccination exemption based on religious reasons for a Golden State Warrior player, Andrew Wiggins, on Friday. The Warrior, who plays for home games at the Chase Center in San Francisco, are subjected to stricter COVID-19 vaccination requirements based on the city's public health order. The Professional Basketball League said in a response, quote, Wiggins will not be able to play in in Warrior home games until he fulfills the city's vaccination requirement, end quote. From Catholic Vote, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas confirmed that 12,000 Haitian immigrants have entered the country illegally, have now been released into the country. By law, they are required to appear before an immigration judge where their case are scheduled to be heard. According to the Department of Justice, 45% of those released into the county have missed their court hearings thus far. And from Blaze News, government officials declare unvaccinated Australians will lose their freedoms starting in October. Also from Blaze News, the New York Times have issued a significant correction from Friday on a story involving a mounted border patrol agent who has been charged for whipping Haitian immigrants in Del Rio, Texas. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday. The saint of the day is an English saint. So you would probably saying, oh, Adrian, that's easy. You're going to get all those names right. It's an old English saint. Uh, so Saint Leoba, Leoba of Bishopsheim was born in 710 in Wessex, England as Truthgeba, which is God's gift. Born to the Wessex nobility to parents who had long prayed for a child and a relative of St. Boniface with whom she corresponded for several years. He, she was educated at the convent of Minister in Thanet and in Wimborne in Dorset, England. Became a nun at Wimborne at a time when St. Teta of Wimborne served as abbess. In 748, Leoba led a group of 30 nuns one of whom was St. Agatha of Wimborne to Germany to help the missionary work of St. Boniface and found convents. They based their work of Bischofsheim in Würzburg, Frankon, Franconia, Franconia, followed the Benedictine rule, and Leoba served as abbess. She was noted for her intelligence and her endless optimism and positive attitude for the work and her constant study of the scriptures. Her work and the houses she founded were instrumental in the conversion of Germany to Christianity. Leoba retired from her position in 776, only to start another house in Schornsheim, Mainz. 
She visited the court of Charlemagne in Aachen, in Aachen, Germany, and became a close friend of the Empress Hildegard. The Benedictines of St. Leoba are based in Fredericksburg, Denmark. She died on 28th of September, 782, in Schornsheim, Germany, of natural causes. St. Leoba, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. And it came to pass, when the days of his assumption were accomplishing, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and going, they entered into a city of the Samaritans to prepare for him. And they received him not, because his face was of one going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, had seen this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And turning, he rebuked them, saying, You know not of what spirit you are. The Son of Man came not to destroy souls, but to save. And they went into another town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What if you knew? I want you to pretend for a second that you were there, that you were at this time in, you know, in the timeline of, of world history. You were there at that moment, way back in the day, first century. You were of Jewish ancestry and you, you understood because you lived there in that time, in that space, you, you understood the prophets. You understood the Old Testament in a way that we can't begin to fathom today. You, you consumed this in a way that, uh, seems foreign to our, our 21st century minds. You would know then what the assumption meant you would know what the facing of Jerusalem meant. These, these, the context of this would not have been lost on you. It wouldn't have been vague. It would have been clear. It would have sent a very stark message to the mind of the people there in that audience. You see, Moses and Elijah both assumed into heaven, according to tradition, both imparted a share of their spirit to their successors. And according to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, Jesus will likewise ascend into glory and pour out his spirit upon his followers. And if Moses, if one greater than Moses was to come, according to the prophecy of Moses himself, if Moses walks through water, then the one greater than him walks on top of it. Amen. If, if Elijah is taken up, then so is the one greater than him in a more powerful, in a more incredible way. It's not a fiery chariot that comes down and gets our Lord. A Lord assumes on his own with the Trinity. It's a powerful thing to realize as you study sacred scripture that you have been so far removed from these events that you can't see them from the, the context that the first century Jew would, which is why we often question things like, Mary, did you know, comes up. Yes, yes, of course she knew. And look at this the zeal from uh, James and John. Let fire come down. Why? Because even Elijah called down fire upon the heretics. Let's pray today for the conversion of souls. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. But today is special. Uh, we, we were trying to get Mark on the program uh, the last couple of weeks, and we finally found an opportunity to get him on the schedule. We had a bit of a conflict today, so we, we decided we put him in the after show, and we're going to record this conversation and then play it during one of our guest segments on the radio site as well. So you, my dear listener and uh, viewer, you get to have first crack at this, and uh, you get to watch it live. So praise be to God uh, for that. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Mark Ozgeist. He was a member of the Annex security team that fought in the Battle of Benghazi in Libya, September the 11th, 2012. We just remember Remembered uh, the 20th anniversary of September the 11th, and we did a, a something special here on this program, as you might remember. But you know, remembering Benghazi is something we also have to remember because it was a pretty tragic thing to see an American ambassador murdered, and it was even more tragic to see the cover-up that happened afterwards and uh, the sacrifice of those that tried to to make a difference on that day. And Mark was a part of that. Mark, good morning. Thank you for being a part of our program. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Semper Fi, I'm alive and that counts. Um, Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to our country. We're very grateful for your time today. Um, Let's start by remembering 9-11. I also want to talk about Afghanistan. I also want to talk about Shadow Warrior Project, but let's start with Benghazi. Can you take us through that again? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been nine years now. Um, It's amazing that it's it's really the time has passed. It seems uh, very quickly, but... uh, you know, it's especially around this time of year, it's, it, you know, it kind of still hits home and, uh, you know, you remember everything that happened that night. And, uh, you know, it started out at about 9.30, 9.40 at night. Um, I had already been out in town, me and this female case officer. We were on a uh, dinner date meeting with a local Libyan couple when uh, I got a phone call that uh, from Tyrone Woods, who was our team leader, his call sign is Roan, and uh, he uh said to get back to the annex and stay away from the consulate. And I knew he didn't go into too many details because we're on a cell phone, so it's open source. And uh, we uh, got through that. I had to make our way back. When I got back, I took over security at the annex. The rest of the team had went over to the consulate. You know, they had encountered over 40 armed individuals who had taken over um, the consulate, was able to push them off, repelled another counter assault over there, rescued, uh, um, 
the uh, State Department security team. They were located Sean Smith's body, unable to locate the ambassador's body uh, at that time. And after the second counter assault, um, there was information that another one was coming with a lot more people. So they pulled back to the annex where over the next, uh, oh, what was it, probably eight or ten hours, uh, we got attacked three more times at our annex base and... The last one culminated with a complex attack of mortars, belt-fed machine guns, AK-47s, and that's where uh, the mortars came in and uh, killed Ty and Glenn, injured me pretty bad. Also injured Dave, one of the State Department guys, uh, severely as well. And uh, that's kind of how the night ended until about 7 o'clock in the morning when we were able to make our way to the airport. And finally, about 10 o'clock, I think the last 10, 1030 was when the last guys got out finally. Wow. You know, I was just thinking about being in boot camp. I went to San Diego, MCRD, and we would do line training. And uh, we would be doing hand-to-hand combat uh, training. And above us, on a walkway, would be the drill instructors. And they'd be pacing back and forth while we're in the pit. And I remember they would quote statistics from Vietnam while we're sitting there doing these drills. And throwing each other down, chokeholds, breaking stuff. You know, that was fun. We, we, we thought that was fun. But I remember listening to them quote uh, statistics out of Vietnam about how every Marine in a fire base in Vietnam was responsible for killing 30 individual uh, uh, enemy soldiers. And if you died, that meant your buddy next to you had to kill 60. Yep. And uh, that statistic blew my mind. To think <laughs> about the responsibility that you have in a, when you're in an outnumbered situation and what you just described to me was that precise scenario. What was going through your mind while you were having to endure that long battle? Well, you know, when we got back to the annex, I mean, um, each one of those attacks that came, there was, you know, we don't don't have an exact number. Um, first one, it seemed like there was probably 25 guys that came after us. Then the next one is almost double that. The third one, I'm not sure, but... Uh, you know, they depicted it well in the movie for us, um, and that was very uh, satisfying that Michael Bay really was about making sure it was right. But to get back to your question, I mean, you know, at that time, I looked at things, uh, I call it task saturation, and, you know, you got so many things coming at you, guys out there coming across the fields, things that you got to think about. You almost got to slow down, and, you know, through training, and that's where the Marine Corps, you know, that, that time in the Marine Corps definitely helps the way they train you just you got to focus on your mission and you know what it is and it's to take out the bad guys and cover your sector um you know and and so you just pick out the initial threats you take them out move past those go to the next and just continue on and uh you know it's it it's almost like slow motion mm-hmm. at least in your mind when you know things are happening really quick it's just uh it's just training yourself to do that and i think that's one of the most the most important things that has that, that night was just the level of training that we've all had through our our military careers. Uh, Mark, I so when this came when this happened back in 2012, I was in eighth grade, and so I don't remember. Like I had no, I wasn't paying attention to the news. I had no idea what was going on in the world, and so now hearing about it now. What should I know about this taking it away? Like, I obviously be good to know uh, all the details of what's going on, but what is the uh, ramifications from then that I should be aware of in 2021? Um, one is that boats matter. I mean, 
to be honest with you, because the people that were in charge during Benghazi, um, from the State Department all the way up through the Obama administration, outside of the president then himself, are the same people that have been in charge of what's going on here in Afghanistan, um, just at different levels. Um, so that's one thing I think um, on a broader spectrum that people should understand is, you know, what we do and, uh, you know, matters. And second is to get probably closer to the point of a personal thing is, you know, it's that night, I think one of the bigger things that occurred was, and I, I'm in the middle of kind of writing a book on it now, it's, but it's, I call it the seventh man. And it's, it's having God in your life and having him involved in what's going on. I mean, that night, there's no way that we could have gotten through everything we did if, it, if we didn't have that seventh man on our team. Mm. And, and that was Christ himself is being there to, you know, to, to interdict when, when necessary for his purpose. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of things and that had happened that night that, you know, there was an RPG that was shot at TIG um, and you could see it. I got to see it actually on the drone footage and, it was the third RPG that two of them went over his head. The next one was coming right at him. And in the about halfway there, it just took a 90 degree turn wow. and went off into nowhere. Praise um, be to God. You know, and, and that's, that just doesn't happen. I mean, if it would have got hit by something or it would have fizzled off, but to literally take a 90 degree turn and just go out and go, I mean, like it took a, Stopped at a stop sign, took a right, and just went out into the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, you know, and, you know, and there's you had initially when Tying uh, and Jack and Tig entered into the State Department's compound because Tig and, and DB were in Overwatch positions. You had three guys that went into a, a compound with armed with forty armed insurgents, and you know, people ask, well, how do how do three guys? how are three individuals able to push off 40 armed individuals? And it's through, you know, it's through the violence of action and the element of surprise. And, you know, we as Christians need to take that same fight to, to the devil and to what was, what's going on in our world um, and how, you know, how they're doing that. We have to take that back to them. It's not necessarily the violence, but that effort that Mm. that takes to overcome evil is, uh, is, is great. And we have to be great to do that. Our regular listeners will know what I'm about to say, uh, and Joe knows what I'm about to say. Do you know the story of Colonel Ripley? He's uh, there's a great book about him called The American Knight, and he this uh, what you've been describing here, just like rings of Colonel Ripley. He was uh, the famous Donghao Bridge, and he uh, blew up Donghao Bridge, and he would hand walk underneath the bridge, and as he was doing it, he was repeating the mantra over and over to himself: Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. As he was hand walking out, laying the charges as the Vietnam soldiers were shooting at him from down below and never hit him. And then he falls down below and he uh, ends up living and he uh, becomes a hero both there and back uh, on the, on, uh, on U.S. soil. And uh, that, that story, like, it's just the idea that we're separating God from everything in society. From the warrior. And from, there you go. Yeah, I, I, that's a part of our challenge today in an ever-growing secular world is the warriors that we ask to to go and fight our battles in some of these crazy places and sometimes overwhelming numbers um, to have a sort of a, a, an agnostic or atheistic worldview is crazy to me. Uh, there are no atheists in foxholes, used to be the saying. 
And uh, so the warrior has to have, it has to be God-centered, has to have Jesus Christ on its team, I think, in order to prevail against the difficulties and the, and the challenges that come their way. I wanted to ask you, Mark, Mark Oz Geis is our guest. He was a member of the Annex team in Benghazi, September the 11th, by the way, September the 11th, 2012. Uh, was it, uh, did you find it interesting? Did you, did you understand the connection, the link to September the 11th, by the way, early on? You know, for us, uh, yeah, we did, because... You know, I worked with a group called GRS, and it's called Global Response Staff. And our job is to be secure for the CIA personnel as they do their job. And, you know, they don't, as high level as the CIA operatives and case officers and them that are, they still need security when they're doing things in certain areas. So every country or every place that we've worked or we were working is um, – a high, it's it's nine eleven almost every day. It can kick off, so wow. you always got to be aware of that. But of course, it being the actual nine eleven, it even raised our awareness even that much more. Um, you know, normally on those days we don't even go outside our walls because it's just better to not get caught out there. Um, other than me and that, my the case officer I was with, it was that's a rare thing that we had to go out on that night. But uh, it's it is something that hits home. Um, when you're there, when you're working overseas in that environment. What about the follow-up and the, the days after and, and the, the, the needing or seeking of information about what happened, who knew what, when, why didn't we send uh, the, the, the QRF to come help? Uh, how did you feel looking back at that? How do you feel now looking back at that and seeing like you, you kind of got left hung out to dry and nobody's been held accountable ever since? How does that make you feel? You know, I, I give it to the Lord. I mean, those that are responsible for the debacle then and as now, you know, you'll either find, you know, justice will be made either here or after. Um, either here or in front of the Lord, they're going to have to answer for their, for what they've done and how they've decided to do things. Um, you know, and, and, and I, that's the thing that gives me solace and comfort is just knowing that, you know, they that everyone has to be held for their account. And... That is the day that really matters. I mean, the justice that we could give to people is minuscule compared to what the justice uh, Christ is going to give to us. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we're pulled in many directions. Our world is frantic and sometimes chaotic. We parents need to take a pause. Take some time away to become more intentional in our Catholic family life. We suggest a tool that we call the family board meeting. This meeting's a time for you and your spouse to affirm each other in your giftedness, cast a vision framing what you want your family to look like, and then set concrete goals to make that vision a reality. More than ever, our world needs dynamic Catholic families. That only happens when parents are intentional about building a Catholic family culture within their home. Take time to build a culture that is stronger and more influential on your children than the culture of the world that surrounds them. To help you run this board meeting, we've created a tool for you. A download at our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. Get the worksheet and then work with your spouse to be more intentional in your family life. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. 
right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. This is Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic Vote, Governor Kathy Hochul claims that she will. there is no legitimate religious exemptions for COVID-19 vaccines because, according to her, the leaders of all the organized religions have said that there are no legitimate reasons. Kathy was responding to a lawsuit filed by the 17th health professionals represented by the Thomas More Society. Quote, what New York is attempting to do is slam an un, an escape hatch from an unconstitutional vaccine mandate, said Thomas More Society Special Counsel Christopher Ferrara. Also from Catholic Vote, the microstate of San Marino, Italy, has legalized abortions of unborn children after 12 weeks of gesta- gestation. The referendum ended counties banned on abortion in place since 1865. San Marino, which has 35,000 citizens, is surrounded on all sides by Italy. A majority of the people of San Marino claim to be Catholic. Also from Catholic vote, Pope Francis has declared the throwaway culture the leads to abortion that leads to abortion and euthanasia. There, there is the disregarding of children that we do not want to welcome with the law of abortion that sends them to the dispatcher and kills them directly. And today this has become a normal method, a practice that is very ugly. Unfortunately, it is really murder, according to the Pope. Also from Catholic vote, the Catholic social social services is now free to help making foster care placements in Philadelphia. Following a legal settlement with the city, the agreement caps a year-long battle that culminated in a Supreme Court victory for the Catholic charity in June. Up until 2018, this has been a really positive relationship. Our goal is that that our goal is for that to be a positive relationship again, said Lori Winham, senior counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Also from Catholic Vote, Facebook has announced Monday that it will halt the development of a children's app after a national backlash from parents and conservative lawmakers. The next app, Instagram Kids, has caused a firestorm of controversy with critics expressing concern for the kids whom Facebook would reach through the new product. More than 44 U.S. attorney generals from across the country confronted Facebook and asked the big tech giant to drop the project, citing a growing body of research, some of it conducted by Facebook itself, showing how social media is harming the mental health of young Americans. From Epic Times, Wells Fargo Bank will pay $37.3 million to settle U.S. government claims that it it had fraudulent activity by overcharging commercial clients on foreign exchange services, the latest in a string of scandals over the bank's treatment of customers. 
Also from Epic Times, as New York State mandates for all healthcare workers to be vaccinated against the CCP Chinese Communist Party virus went into effect on September 27. Several unvaccinated healthcare industry employees and their supporters held a rally outside the St. Catherine of Siena Medical Center in Smithtown, Long Island. Together, unvaccinated healthcare workers in Long, Long Island gathered to rally against the vaccine mandate. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday. We send uh, the, the, the QRF to come help. Uh, how did you feel looking back at that? How do you feel now looking back at that and seeing like you, you kind of got left hung out to dry and nobody's been held accountable ever since? How does that make you feel? You know, I, I give it to the Lord. I mean, those that are responsible for the debacle then and as now, you know, you'll either find, you know, justice will be made either here or after. Um, either here or in front of the Lord, they're going to have to answer for their, for what they've done and how they've decided to do things. Um, you know, and and, and I, that's the thing that gives me solace and comfort is just knowing that, you know, they that everyone has to be held for their account. And... That is the day that really matters. I mean, the justice that we could give to people is minuscule compared to what the justice uh, Christ is going to give uh, to them. And everybody, I mean, like goes to what you said, whether you're an atheist or not, I mean, you still have to give account. You just don't realize it. So, you know, I'd rather meet him now than have to meet him then. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well said. Praise be to God. Um, I want to, I want to, Trans- well, before I transition, let me ask you this. I wanted to ask you this question. Was it a surreal experience to see you being portrayed on, on a Hollywood film? It, it was. It was, uh, you know, it was really a good time being a part of that and seeing how all that works and understanding why I'd never want to be a part of it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, on the, with, with Michael Bay, he was wonderful at, with us. I mean, he had a lot of respect for us and our opinions and really consulted with us. So it made it a very, uh, as realistic movie as it could be with not with, with it still being in entertaining and not a full blown documentary. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, it was, especially with the, the character, you know, the actor that played me was, uh, um, looked very, very much like me, Max Martini. And so, us being on set together, every, we'd, we'd mess with the Michael Bay. I'd go to wardrobe and get the same outfit on that he had, and we'd both walk around the set <laughs> just to uh, just to confuse everybody. That's hilarious. I used to like him in the unit. I really enjoyed uh, him in the unit, and uh, I, he's probably an actor who probably specializes in playing military characters because he sells it very, very well. Yeah, yeah. He was in the unit. He was in. Uh, he was the SEAL commander in uh, um, Captain Phillips. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's done several movies regarding uh, around that military uh, mantra. And, uh, and he's, he's not only is he good at it, he does, he's good at it because I think it's true to his heart, the, the love and respect he has for the military that, and the sacrifice that everyone's done to allow him to do what he does. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Well, let's transition now. I want to talk about Afghanistan and uh, your thoughts. Uh, you served in the Marine Corps 12 years, uh, you know, a deputy sheriff in, in Colorado, uh, military contractor for, uh, for the CIA. And um, how do you feel about our withdrawal from Af- Afghanistan? 
you know, um, I understand that at some point we can't stay there forever. Yeah. Um, so the withdraw, withdrawing isn't the issue I have with. Uh, the, I, the issue I had is how it was done. I mean, it was, <clears throat> and I think it was done because the current administration wanted to have it done before September 11th. They wanted to be able to come to on September 11th, say, we got out of Afghanistan. We got us out of this last war. Well, um, the problem with that is that they thought they could, and I really think that they had State Department making the decisions than the military, because I cannot believe that a military general would sit there and say, okay, hey, the best idea is to let's all leave Bagram, where we have one or two or three runways. We have a lot of standoff. It's the most defensible position in Afghanistan, just about. I mean, that's why everybody, every conquering nation that's came through Afghanistan has held that ground till they didn't want to because it's defensible. And say, you know what, let's, let's ignore all of history, all of the tactics and the training that we've known, and let's set up our exfil out of Kabul Airport. Um, Kabul Airport has no standoff, as we all know now. It is ridiculously undefensible, and it has one runway. Their, their, their justification was, well, the embassy's only, um, you know, like three miles away. Well, you still, you, know, you can't get there. Anybody who's been in Kabul, you can't get from where the embassy was to the airport. Even though it's only a couple miles, it takes an hour on the ground because of traffic and people and everything. And so... Obviously, we were going to have to fly everybody there. Why didn't we move it to Bagram and be able to sit, move the embassy to Bagram and have a more controlled and um, tactical withdrawal rather than be seen as flying helicopters off the rooftop to get out of there in time, just like we did in Vietnam? Yeah. Just from the optics alone, it was terrible. But forget about the optics for a second. It was just smarter to do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I don't, I've been told not to, to smash our, you know, to smash our generals too much because, you know, they were just following orders. Well, no, they don't just, when you're at that level, you don't just follow orders. You know, you are a career military person leading men in combat. If you know the situation isn't right, and is not perfect for it. It's not the best thing that can be done for your troops or for the country itself. Mm. Then you know what? You step up and you take the hit on that. And I would have really liked to seen the leadership in the military put their stars on the table of the president and say, "No, this is a bad decision. We're not going to be a part of it. You it, do it yourself. This, take that stand." This was my number one uh, gripe, pet peeve about this whole debacle. Uh, as a as a young enlisted man, I joined the Marine Corps at seventeen. My mother had to sign me over to the federal government. Uh, you know, as an enlisted man, if, if wake up late one day, fall asleep on a watch one day, you get the full throttle UCMJ cat thrown at you. You get office hours. You, you get bashed pretty hard for doing the slightest infraction. Leave a country in complete disarray and chaos where thirteen service members die and countless are are left behind. And falling off of airplanes, and nobody goes to jail, nobody loses rank, except for one man, the only one person.
Scientists often argue they don't need to give reasons for their position because they simply lack a belief in God, the assumption being theists alone have the burden of proof. But is this rational? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Atheism can't simply be a lack of belief. Dogs lack belief in God, but that doesn't make dogs atheists. Atheism makes a claim about the world, namely, God doesn't exist. As such, atheists, along with theists, must shoulder the burden of proof. Even if an atheist says he simply hasn't found any good evidence for God, he would still have to prove why the evidence theists give for God is not good evidence. No matter how an atheist looks at it, he can't sit the sidelines when it comes to defending his position on the question of God's existence. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. put their stars on the table of the president and say, no, this is a bad decision. We're not going to be a part of it. You do it yourself. Take that stand. This was my number one uh, gripe, pet peeve, about this whole debacle. Uh, As a a young enlisted man, I joined the Marine Corps at 17. My mother had to sign me over to the federal government. Uh, You know, as an enlisted man, wake up late one day. Fall asleep on a watch one day. You get the full throttle UCMJ cat thrown at you. You get office hours. You, you get bashed pretty hard for doing the slightest infraction. Leave a country in complete disarray and chaos where 13 service members die and countless are, are left behind and falling off of airplanes and nobody goes to jail. Nobody loses rank except for one man. The only one person so far to date who's been relieved of command is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Schiller. Uh, a battalion commander who complained on a social video about the, the leadership uh, in this withdrawal process was relieved of command and uh, is now going through a legal battle to save his what was left of his career. 17 years in the Corps, is not going to retire, is not going to get a pension, none of it. Uh, doesn't that bug you too? Oh, it does a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, but it's, you know, everything, you know what rolls downhill and it always rolls downhill. And, uh, you got a lieutenant colonel who was willing to step up and show true leadership. Um, you know, I think about it is having the strength and the courage to do that. And and I think you know, I bet you if you look back into his uh, in, into who he is, I'll bet he's a Christian. I'll bet he uses the leadership that Christ has shown us throughout the Bible in the New Testament of what true leadership is. If thrown over the money changing tables. You know, all of that kind of thing is the leadership that we need. And I think you would find him to be that. That's where he gets a lot of his guidance, I bet. Amen. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the effort, uh, the Shadow Warrior Project, shadowwarriorproject.org. You've been helping to help get people out of Afghanistan? Um, yeah, we've been uh, 
coordinating and working with other veteran service organizations that are doing the same thing, uh, you know, um, instead of trying to do one thing on our own and everybody else the same, it's better to come together. And, you know, it's ironic that there's more getting done on saving American lives of those that are in Afghanistan still to this day mm. than the military or our country is as a whole. Um, I mean, we're going on 30 some days since uh, we pulled out of Afghanistan and we still have American citizens and green card holders who are stuck behind in Afghanistan. And it's just, it's, it's horrendous. We've got missionaries that are out there, you know, that Christians that have been converted to Christ that are Afghani that cannot get out because the Afghans don't want any Afghans leaving the country um, because they want to take their revenge out on them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's horrendous that that's going on. Yeah, I was pretty inspired by the vets that came together, and some of which went into Afghanistan to actually physically remove these people. But uh, what, can you name some of the organizations that have come together to coordinate efforts and, and uh, bring together the resource, financial resources and otherwise to help bring people out? Um, you know, Glenn Beck with his Nazarene project has been really instrumental in helping a lot of other organizations and partnering with, uh, you know, different groups as well as taking the leadership to, to do what they can. And, and, you know, they've been, he's got that method, that, that ability to raise a lot of money quick. And that really helped out with that. Um, we have, um, Operation Dynamo, which I'm working with a group of guys that are doing that. And Dynamo is referring to the reason we called it, it's, Operation Dynamo 2 um, refers to the same operation that happened at Dunkirk when the civilians had to get the British troops off the beaches. It was called Operation Dynamo. Um, Shadow Warriors Project, obviously. And you have the, uh, <clears throat> I think it's the Pineapple, uh, Operation Pineapple, and if I'm saying that right. Those guys are doing a lot of good things as well. And, you know, there's there's a lot of others that are working very, you know, just kind of in in the background, supporting all these different organizations. And it's the American people out there that are making those donations and helping out that really make the effort that allow us to go over and do what we're doing and, and saving lives, literally yeah. saving the lives of people that have gotten left behind. Praise be to God. I see you have a donation link on your website, Shadow Warrior Project, Shadow Warriors, shadowwarriorsproject.org. You can check that out, and you can also donate to the to the effort to get them out. But uh, why don't you tell me about the Shadow Warriors Project? What is this uh, not-for-profit, and uh, what is your mission? Well, you know, originally me and my wife started this uh, because as private security contractors, we have a workman's comp policy to cover our medical. It doesn't get covered by the government or anything like that. So all of my injuries... Had it not been Benghazi, all of my injuries would have been through civilian hospitals um, and it would have been paid by workman's comp or, and a lot of those bills would have been absorbed by the uh, contractor themselves if they get killed or injured. So <clears throat> in dealing with that, I mean, we didn't want anybody else to ever have to have that. And mm. there's literally no support for the families and the kids of those that are serving in place of the military overseas. So we started Shadow Warriors Project and over the years now, it's been six years, I think, seven years now. Um, it has grown to the point of where we also provide canine service dogs to veterans as well as private security contractors. And then we also have a, uh, a canine therapy program that we do uh, where we bring in eight to ten combat vets. We introduce them to Christ. We introduce them to the dogs for a, a week-long period where they work with the dogs. They use the dogs 
to, and we use the dogs to show them how to help manage their stress and their anxiety that come with uh, either the TBIs or the PTS and the stress that we get after uh, going out there fighting those monsters for this country. And mm. uh, and then we end it with everybody has to tell their story. Uh, you know, one of the best things for me that's been really cathartic is having to tell this story. And I think we all have a story to be told. And, you know, it's not just our person, the combat story, it's the life story, because a lot of us um, that join the military, you're either running from something or to something. And half the time we probably show up with, uh, with a bucket full or at least half full um, of trauma that before we even get into what's we see in the military. And, uh, you know, between that peer to peer support of the small group talking and the dogs and Christ seeing that work together with guys uh, that you never would think would uh, entertain that, uh, that Christian, uh, you know, accepting Christ as their Lord, as, as their Lord and savior is, is huge. So, We've had a lot of sex success with that. And obviously we tur- we pivoted a little bit during Afghanistan here and the pull-up um, doing that project as well. So there's about four major things that we do there. Can you tell me about the, the contractors? I, we talk a lot about veterans, and I know a, probably most of these contractors are veterans themselves. But um, when we speak, when we think in terms of uh, people who have served our country, especially in combat, we think in terms of veterans. Uh, do the contractors... <laughs> Do they have similar statistics by way of PTSD, by way of depression or suicide rates or, or uh, addictions? You know, they do. Um, you know, what we see when they talk about that number of 22 a day, a lot of times that's not including all of the contractors. I mean, because we are veterans, if we're doing, if we are working through injuries maybe received before working as a contractor, it would be through the VA. And so they count that number, but a lot of them aren't. And, when you come to the deaths and injuries of contractors, um, and if you look at contractors as a whole, all the contractors that worked in Afghanistan and, um, and Iraq and other countries, since 2001, during the war on terror, we lost 5,000 contractors and over 30,000 wow. injured in probably 40 to 50 different countries. Wow. Um, you know, because, and it's, it could be the guy that's working in a food service tent serving our soldiers, but he gets, because a rocket comes in and lands in that vicinity or where he lives in, you know, at the man camp, he's injured or killed. And, and there's really no support for him. Um, and, you know, the security contractors are the ones that are really out there um, outside the wire moving like we, we did protecting those smaller bases, don't have that support. Um, and we just didn't want to see anybody have to uh, struggle with their bills and worry about losing a house just because they were serving our country, even though it was in a different capacity. Yeah. Amen. Now your own injuries during Benghazi, you, you took a pretty severe uh, hit to your hand, uh, right? It was your left hand, I think. Yeah. 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 I, I, well, it was, so I had a piece of shrapnel go through, uh, it actually went through about right here. Um, disintegrated two inches of the radial bone, shattered wow. the ulna. Um, pretty much my arm was hanging on by, just a little bit of skin and muscle, uh, you know, and, and as bad as that was from a larger standpoint, because it, I almost lost my hand. Um, I had another 24, 25 holes in me. I got hit four or five times in the chest. Wow. In the neck face, um, up and down both arms and legs. Uh, and I, I, I actually, I think I still have somewhere between eight and, or between 18 and 23 pieces of metal still in me. 
That's insane. It reminds me of Roy Benavides. I don't know if you know who Roy Benavides is. He's a Medal of Honor uh, recipient uh, out of Vietnam, 1968. Uh, he lived through his experience, six-hour battle, and he had more than, well, more than 100 uh, wounds from shrapnel, gunfire, knives. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he, it was an insane thing. So you just reminded me of him. Uh, but God bless you, Mark. Uh, Mark Oz Geist. Uh, Incredible uh, testimony. Thank you for your time today. Many of our audience in the in the chat are saying thank you for your service. They really are grateful to you and to the others who have served our country and just, and uh, sacrificed so much. But uh, God bless you and God love you. I want to encourage everybody to check out the website, shadowwarriorsproject.org. Uh, or you can go to Mark's website, which is markgeist.com. But Mark, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. We're grateful for your time. You too. God bless. Thank you. All right. Thank everybody out there. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. We are very grateful for everybody who... Uh, praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us this first hour of Catholic Drive Time. That was a great conversation with Mark Ozgeist from 13 Hours. The book, the movie, and the story. So we, uh, we're very grateful to him and the Shadow Warrior Project for being on the program today. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. It's always a, a, little, bit, a little bit more upbeat in the second hour. Of course, we have a good news segment. We also have our game show, Fear and Trembling, where prizes are at stake, and you, my dear listener, could win. Now, if you can and you would like to, tune in. Uh, you can also just watch us online and hang out with us and comment on Facebook, Twitter, on YouTube. We're also streaming live to Odyssey. But we're also on our webpage. You can watch there, comment there at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Praise be to God. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk with Rosario O'Reilly and Sean Carney. Coming up tomorrow. God love Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 
verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you today. Praise be to Jesus. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Mark Oz Geist from 13 Hours. The book, the film, uh, Remembering Benghazi on 9-11, 2012. I'm thinking about and talking about Afghanistan, rescuing people there, and the Shadow Warrior Project. We'll have that conversation posted to our other social platforms, So, our, but our podcast is available. And uh, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast, which you can do on, on uh, the podcast. Uh, Apple Store, what is it, the iTunes Store, you got Google Play, you got Stitcher, it's available right on our website. If you go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, there's a blue bar at the bottom, and that's our podcast play bar. You can choose the episode that you want, and you can hit play and listen to it right there. It's a lot of fun. You can download the Guadalupe Radio Network app and listen to our podcast right over the app, as well as listen to your local Catholic radio station live, praise be to God. It's available in iOS and Android to search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. That's an option, but do me a favor. Okay, if you do subscribe to the Catholic Drive Time podcast on one of those platforms, be sure to leave us a review. That helps us because all the podcasts with the most five-star reviews, they get bumped up in search results, which means perfect strangers might be introduced to this show because you left a good review. Now, you could leave a five-star review and still, you know, chew us out. That's fine. I'm all right with that. Just make sure it has five stars. That's all I'm asking. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Janice is here. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Five stars. Praise God. Five Congratulations. Stars. Congratulations. Hopefully, yes, we yeah. get some five stars. Uh, <laughs> anything in the good news that you are excited about? Uh, let's see. Um... So the uh, the National Catholic Register just issued a um, uh, a magazine fe- featuring the top the top thirty nine colleges and universities that are faithful 
huh. to the magisterium. So, Interesting. So does this differ from the Newman list? You'll tell us, I guess. Uh, yeah. So it's actually uh, separate from the Newman list, but because um, they're they're trying to go a, 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 mm. a level up. So. A level up. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of level up, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Surely your alma mater is on that list, right, Adrian? Ooh, I have no idea, <laughs> and I am uh, scared to find Are out. You're scared to look. Huh? I don't. I'm not even going to look. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Are you saying ignorance is bliss? Ignorance is, a, is bliss in this uh-huh, circumstance. Uh-huh, Normally, okay. I'm against ignorance, and in this yeah. case, let's do it. <laughs> let's. It should be a, Yet, a t-shirt. Nonetheless, Ignor- it's good to be. Let's do it. <laughs> ignorance, or let's not do it. I suppose. Uh, let's make ignorance great again. Wait, hold on. That's a different ball game. All right. Well, we're gonna have uh, the good news here in just a moment. Of course, we will also do the saint of the day, and today's saint is quite quite entertaining, especially when Adrian reads it. Praise be to God. And then we'll have a gospel and a, hopefully a gospel reflection. And then we play Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show where you don't even need to know the answers to win our game. It's that much fun. Uh, that's coming up at 15 past the hour. We'll give you the phone number at that time. But you could always uh, give yourself an advantage and call in early and sit on hold, provided our phone line system works. Uh, but that phone number is listed on our website at GRN online.com forward slash cdt that's grnonline.com forward slash cdt good morning to everybody hanging out with us on the live video feed we will have a proper after show at 30 past the hour today so we'll be hanging out with you on the live video feed on facebook on youtube on twitter on our website even on odyssey we'll be hanging out and you get to drive that conversation so whatever you want to talk about make sure to put that in the comment box And we will discuss that during the after show. So that's the show. Let's dive in. Let's pray and get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice, and these are your headline news for today. From Epic Times, parents and a civil rights group are asking a court to force California to immediately halt Aztec prayers in public school classrooms that are required by the California State Board of Education's Ethnic Studies Module Curriculum. Also from LifeSite News, the beautiful Carmelite Monastery in Fairfield, Pennsylvania, with some 25 nuns dedicated to the traditional form of the Roman Rite, have received notice that an apostolic visitation will take place on September 25th through the 28th. The Carmelites have sent out a press release asking for prayers and vigils such as a visitation which includes an interview of each sister and a detailed scrutiny of their lives can be a stressful or a joyful trial in the words of the press release from alidia sam holness a 27 year old triathlete recently participated in the iron man 70.3 world championship in saint george utah and Utah and is doing so and in doing so became the first person with autism to complete the race. 
Also from National Catholic Register, the September 12th through the 25th issue of the National Catholic Register features our 17th annual Catholic Identity College Guide in which they recommend 39 colleges and universities for their commitment to living out the Catholic identity. Given the current state of affairs in America, the need for such faithfully Catholic colleges is more imperative than ever. Faithful Catholic colleges known know a personal and mature relationship with Jesus. It is only it, it is only the sure guidepost to a life of integrity and holiness today, a life that will continue to mature and bear fruit well after graduation. And from National Catholic Register, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke updated followers on his recovery from COVID-19 and thanked them for their prayers in a letter published on late Sunday evenings, saying it will be several more weeks until he will be ready to return to his normal activities. In this letter, he wrote, quote, Thank- Thanksgiving, thanks- Thanksgiving, you Thanking you once again with all my heart for your faithful and generous prayers for the recovery of my health. I write to update you on the progress of my my health, said Cardinal Burke in the letter titled Letter to Those Who Are Praying for Me, end quote. Cardinal Burke provides update on his recovery and praise God he is soon to return to his normal activities. From Catholic News Agency, the U.S.-born Luthanian Archbishop elected President of European Bishops' Council, members of the Council of the European Bishops' Conference, elected a U.S.-born Luthanian Archbishop as their next president on Saturday. Archbishop Gintaras of Vinilus succeeds the Italian Cardinal Angelo Bonasco, who led the CCE from 2016. The 60-year-old Cardinal Archbishop was born in Washington, D.C. on September 23, 1961, to a family of Luthanian origin. He spent the first half of his life in America, becoming heavily involved in Luthanian Catholic organizations. Delegates also chose two vice presidents on September 25th as the CCE's plenary assembly in Rome. Also from Catholic News Agency, over the next several months, the USCCB and Catholic charities across the U.S. will welcome upward to 7,500 refugees from Afghanistan. The USCCB is one of the nine resettlement networks in the United States, and it partners with 45 Catholic charities agencies across the country to provide resettlement services. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday. The saint of the day is, uh, they said it was easy, they said. It was, it's in English, they said. It's uh, Old English, actually. The saint of the day is Saint Leoba of Bishopsheim. She was born in 710 in Wessex, England, as Truth Jabba, which is God's gift. She was born to the Wessex nobility to parents who had long prayed for a child and a relative of Saint Boniface, with whom she corresponded for several years. She was educated at the convent of Minister in Thanet and in Wimborne in Dorset, England. She became a nun at Wimborne at a time when St. Teta of Wimborne served as abbess. 
In 748, Leoba led a group of 30 nuns, one of whom was St. Agatha of Wimborne to Germany to help the missionary work of St. Boniface and found convents. They based their work at Bischofsheim in Würzburg, Frank- Franconia, and followed the Benedictine rule. And Leoba served as abbess and was noted for her intelligence. Her endless optimism and positive attitude for the work and her constant study of the scriptures. Her work in the houses that she founded were instrumental in the conversion of Germany to Christianity. Leoba retired from her position in 776, only to start another house in Schornsheim, Mainz. She visited the, ho- the court of Charlemagne in Atken, Germany, and became a close friend of Empress Hildegard. And ben- the, Benedictine- the Benedictines of St. Leoba are based in Fredericksburg, Denmark. She died on the 28th of September, 782, in Schorsheim, Germany, of natural causes. St. Leoba of Bischofsheim, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. And it came to pass, when the days of his assumption were accomplishing, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and going, they entered into a city of the Samaritans to prepare for him. And they received him not, because his face was of one going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, had seen this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And turning, he rebuked them, saying, You know not of what spirit you are. The Son of Man came not to destroy souls, but to save. And they went into another town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Cyril of Alexandria commenting on the sons of thunder calling down fire from heaven to consume them, just like Elijah did, by the way. Uh, He says this, quote, It was good for them also in another way, for they were to be the teachers of the world, going through towns and villages to preach the doctrine of the gospel, meeting sometimes with men who would not receive the sacred doctrine, allowing not that Jesus sojourned on earth with them. He therefore taught them that in announcing the divine doctrine, they ought to be filled with patience and meekness, without bitterness and wrath and fierce enmity against those who had done any wrong to them. But as yet, they were not so. Nay, being stirred up with the fervid zeal, they wished to bring down fire from heaven upon them. Lessons learned there for those of us that would seek to assist God in this conversion of souls. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, the fires from heaven sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, one thing to note, well, there's a lot of things to note, but one thing that I wanted to point out is the in regards to the command that uh, James and John are about to give. Because they say, Lord, wilt thou that we command the fire from heaven to consume them? And what does our Lord tell them? He tells them, no, don't do that. Uh, but what's interesting here? St. Jerome notes, according to Cornelius Lapide, here I'll read to you what he says, wilt thou that we command? For as St. Jerome goes on to say, the command of the apostles can affect nothing unless by the permission and will of God. They therefore seek from Christ as from a judge 
justice and the punishment of the wicked according to their deserts. This is very, very important because our what is being said here by Cornelius Lapide is that the authority of the apostles comes from Christ and they cannot, they cannot contradict the will of Christ. Anything that they ask. So if James and John had commanded fire from heaven to come down, it would not have happened, even though they have been given the authority and the power by our Lord to do miracles such as these. But this was a contradiction to what the will of God was in this circumstance, and therefore it would not happen. And it also shows the attitude that apostles, namely our bishops and the Pope and the Holy Father, should have and turn to our Lord before making any declarations and say, "Wilt thou that we command? And we'll leave it at that. All right, praise be to God. It is time to play Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where prizes are involved, and we would invite you to call right now and be our contestant. First caller gets to be our contestant at 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. It is All Easy Question Tuesday. I'm looking, and if they're, they're really easy, but you don't need to know them anyway because you don't even need to know the answers to win our game. 877-757-9424. Call now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Share, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. Keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and you may just learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God for that. We also like to have a good time with our callers, and they tend to be really good sports. They laugh with us. We enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on here, well, here's the deal. Uh, We have a caller, praise be to God, but we will not ask them the questions. They don't need to know the answers to still win our game. And that is because instead of asking them, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? This week we have a great prize. Um, it's a five-hook rosary plaque worth $45, custom-made uh, from a Catholic woodworker. Uh, this family, cool. Justin and Becky, they're the owners of Daybreak Watchmen. So you can check out their store, Daybreak Watchmen. They create custom woodwork items, sacramental products to decorate your home to make it more of a domestic church. Uh, $45 value, definitely. I'm looking at their website right now. You can check out photos of the five-hook rosary plaque. $45 value. All right. Praise be to God. That is uh, pretty cool. We're very grateful to our sponsors. So be sure to stop by and say thank you to them for giving us the prizes to give to you, because we uh, we love doing that, by the way. Handmade wooden crucifixes by Daybreak Watchmen. Check them out. We will also send a link to our CDT Insider email list, because I think they've got some extra goodness to impart to our listeners. So be, make sure you're on our email list, which you can do on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the phones. I want to thank those that tried to call in today. If you don't get on, call back tomorrow. You have another chance. Call in early and it'll make it even easier. But let's go to Mary. Good morning to you. Thanks for being on our program. Good morning. Praise be to God, Mary. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from the Orlando area. Nice. Florida's back on the board. We haven't had a Florida call in a long time. Praise be to God. Uh, Where do you go to church there, Mary? Uh, church of the Annunciation. Hey, wonderful. I attended an Annunciation church as well for a long time. Praise be to God. And uh, uh, besides claiming the first Mass on Continental America title in Florida, like, do you have any opinions about the trickiness of Janice or Adrian? Adrian, definitely. He's really? Yeah. I've been saying this for a long time. I've been yeah. I've been trying to get people to believe me, but nobody does. They they just buy his smile, hook, line, and sinker. I, I'm gravely yeah. offended. No, I, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ouch. So then you you're obviously a veteran. You know how this works. You're ready to play. I I think so. Yeah, I've been a listener for probably about six months, so I'm not a, a real long. Um, listener but i listen to it on the app about half the life of the show god is very good i know we're coming up to one year (laughs) one year right now praise god all right so all right mary here we're gonna go uh i think we have some pretty easy questions today should be straightforward we're gonna go to janice as is our custom first janice are you ready yes i'm ready are you sure i am 
Are you sure? Yes. Janice, can you tell me, is the imperfect contrition sufficient to receive the sacrament of penance? That would be yes, because even though we're imperfectly Mm -hmm. contrite, Mm -hmm. God's mercy is Mm -hmm. perfect. You sound like you're not 100% sure of that. The way you say, like, hmm, could be. Maybe not. No, I mean you're, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure 100%. because God's mercy is perfect. God's mer- so mercy is perfect. So our imperfect contrition mm-hmm. doesn't um, okay. isn't necessary. Okay, okay. Uh, let's just get a second opinion here. Adrian, can you tell me is the imperfect contrition sufficient to receive the sacrament of penance? No. And that's because our Lord said to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So you need a perfect act of contrition in order to be forgiven of your sins in the sacrament of penance. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty hardcore. It's a tall order. It's a tall order for sure. Hmm. Got to carry it on two trays. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rigid. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So here's the deal, Mary. Uh, Adrian says, no, it has to be perfect contrition. Whereas Janice says, yes, imperfect does get you in. Uh, Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Mary, what say you? I'm going to go with Janice. All right. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Got it. Got it. All right. Definition time. Imperfect versus perfect. Really quick, Adrian, what is that? Imperfect contrition is the contrition you have and which can be any kind of contrition, whether it's just fear of hell, love of God, anything like that. Perfect contrition is uh, you're sorry for your sins out of a perfect love of God and not willing and not desiring to harm uh, to offend him. All right. Imperfect works. Perfect is better. All right. Let's go to question number two. You're in the cup, uh, Mary. Congratulations. But I think we can double your chances today. Uh, we're going to go to Adrian. Uh-oh. Adrian, this is a super softball question here. What is the term for a few days withdrawal from the worldly affairs to pursue solitude, mm-hmm. self-examination, prayer, and amendment of life? What do we call that? That's called a boy's night. A boys' night. Yeah, I did that um, last weekend. Is like that in the catechism? Or? It's a, it was a hiking trip and camping, but we call it a boys' night. We call it a boys' night. Okay. In mm. this case, it was boys' nights. What, what about girls? I'm just curious. Uh, so then maybe a, girls' nights. It's a sexist obviously. withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's just see. Uh, Janice, can you tell me what is the term for a few days withdrawal from worldly affairs to pursue solitude, examination, self-examination, prayer, and amendment of life. What do we call that? That would be retreat. A retreat. A retreat. Now, I serve in the Marine Corps. We don't like retreats. Why is that? Um, it's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Okay. So, Mary, I digress. Here's the deal. Janice says this is a retreat, whereas Adrian says this is a boy's night, or I suppose you could say a girl's night. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary, what say you? We're going to... We're going to go with Janice again. I'm seeing a trend here. What? Mm. <laughs> you can't hit that button before me. What the that was, that was too You're... obvious, Adrian. <laughs> Captain obvious. Uh, all right. So it is, it is, in fact, a retreat. Congratulations. You are in for two now, Mary. How do you feel? I feel awesome. Praise That's be to God. Great. These are easy, right, Mary? I mean, these aren't hard. Yeah, so far. So far, yes. Well, then let's throw a hard one in. Oh, what do this you say? Ne- this what next is going to be impossible. <laughs> what do you say? There's no way. I don't know. I think she's got this. Oh, we're going to go back to Janice. Uh, Janice, can you tell me, 
What famous... Where's the music? Yeah, thank you. What famous Catholic Portuguese navigator was the first to circumvent the globe? Mm, circumvent the globe? Yes. Uh, um, that would be... Um, Fernand, Fernandan Mangalan. <laughs> Fernandan Mangalan. Uh, do you mean Magellan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. F- Ferdinand Magellan, you mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adrian, maybe you could tell me what famous Catholic Portuguese navigator was the first to circumvent the globe? That would be the, uh, yes, the first uh, Catholic Portuguese navigator uh-huh. to circumnavigate the globe was yeah. Amerigo Vespucci, Vespucci, who is also the one that they named America after, Amerigo Vespucci. Huh. Okay, so, listen, I my money's on Mary here. You want to know why? Because <laughs> she seems like a, a, a mature woman, and back in our day, they taught things like history and geography. I don't believe which you. Which they seem to no longer do. But here's the deal. Adrian says it's Amerigo Vespucci, whereas Janice seems to think it's Ferdinand Magellan. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary, what say you? Janice. We'll go with Janice again. <laughs> Third time's a, a perfect score. Praise be to God. <laughs> Magellan. Go. The name is... You knew that, right, Mary? That was super easy. I knew that. Yeah. See, they taught that when you went to school, didn't you? They did. They yeah. did. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Like the young people today, they don't like it. I had no clue about history or, <laughs> or geography, but you nailed it. You're in for three. It might be God's will that you win this week. Praise be to God, Mary. You're going to have to stick around on Friday to see if it uh, is your name that comes out of that cup. But we are so grateful you played with us today. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. You as well. We're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number. And that is going to do it for the radio side of our program. Thank you all for joining us uh, with our conversation with Mark Oz, guys, from uh, 13 Hours, Benghazi. That was a great conversation. But we're going to go to the after show where we can let our hair down, and some of us have more hair than others, praise be to God, and we're going to conversate more casually about whatever it is you would like to talk about. You get to drive that conversation. Join us on the live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, odyssey.com, or just on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Sean Carney's coming up tomorrow. We'll see you there. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a bit more casual about the conversation. Uh, <laughs> and we're glad that you guys are hanging out here with us. It's so good to hang out with you. Praise be to Jesus. Um, I need more coffee, I think. my uh, I've got that morning frog thing going, morning brain frog going on again. Bring back the morning brain frog. Boy, in the early days of Catholic Drive Time. It was such a real problem. It took a while to overcome, to be honest with you. I had to change what I ate, 
how I ate it and when I ate it and how much sleep I got obviously was a big, huge factor. So, um, anyway, I digress. Let's thank some folks. Jeff Burrier and the Burrier family. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. As Franco, good to see you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Tammy. It's good to see you. Thanks for hanging out again. Angelo Bustamante. Praise be to God. Good to see you, my friend. William Hemsworth. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out. Eric Rodriguez. Good morning. Good morning. Paul from Buffalo. Paul, you're on YouTube today. You're normally hanging out on our website, but it's good to see you hanging out on uh, YouTube again. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, Clarissa. Good morning to you. It's good to see you. Uh, of course, our friend Mike is hanging out over on odyssey.com. And so is Weber's World, whom I'm not, I don't know. Weber's World, uh, tell us who you are. I'm not sure who you are, Weber's World, but uh, thank you for commenting today. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, I, I'm going to assume you're new here. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks for hanging out on Odyssey today. Uh, good to see you. Well, who's on Facebook? Uh, let's see. So we have a ton of people on Facebook today. Chris is back. Uh, Chris was uh, submitting an article to 1 Peter 5, and I was asking him if he got that published or not. Uh, he said it's in the process. Uh, Jesus Robles is there on uh, listening today. Sonia is on with us. And uh, let's see. We have Josh. Josh Knoll is on with us there. Don um, we also have Alaric is on on the uh, GRN online side. Praise Patty God. was on with us during the last hour. Praise be and to God. Buddy is on with us as usual. So praise be to God for all of our yeah. regular listeners giving me some great advice on how to take care of those feet. And Eric on the YouTube side, he came in late, so he didn't get to hear uh, the update that uh, this morning. He he asked, um, "Wonder if it's day two of Chaklas for Adrian? Come on, man." Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. Come but, on, uh, man. Yes. So I'm wearing pants today. I'm not wearing shorts. Uh, improvements. Uh, These are improvements. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I put on pants this morning. Um, I'm low-key regretting it. Uh, <laughs> but James uh, Allen Mallory, good morning to you. Hanging out on our website. Hey, James. Praise be to God. Awesome. Praise be to God. Uh, but yeah, so I'm wearing pants today. Low-key regretting it. I'm wearing socks with sandals at the moment. Uh, but uh, I think I'll be better by Thursday. I woke up feeling much better. But I think it may have just been I was just woken up and I hadn't fully awakened. And now I'm kind of regretting my decisions uh, this morning to wear socks and to wear pants. I should have wore shorts again. <laughs> but uh, tomorrow, I hopefully I'll be better by Thursday. I slept like almost like all I, I went home at like noon. And I think by like 1.30, 1.45, I was asleep. I woke up at like 6 o'clock uh, and uh, my buddy, uh, my roommate, Josh, was like, hey, dude, uh, you want me to get you a uh, Chick-fil-A? I'm going to go get Chick-fil-A. Uh, you want me to pick you up some? I was like, heck yes. Thank you very much. So he went and got me Chick-fil-A, and uh, then I went back to bed. So I slept like 10 hours last night. It was great. That's awesome. Praise God. Nothing like a good sleep, huh? Oh, yeah. I needed it. Yeah. I took a, I took a crazy nap yesterday. Oh, my goodness, Lori. How did you know? She said, not black socks with sandals. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly yeah. what I'm wearing. That's <laughs> I've done that many times. Uh, no shame in my game. I tell you, I love it. Uh, I'm an old man. Uh, let's see. What else? There was kind of something I was going to say. <laughs> the Magellan. That's just so funny. I, I, <laughs> no comment. No, that was funny. Uh, boys night. You couldn't do any better than that, Captain Boys Obvious. night. Hey. Uh, I was gonna... Sonya's like, face palm. Face palm. <laughs> 
well, it'd be like that sometimes, you know? Sometimes. It do be like that David L., good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Paul says from Buffalo, fog gets a bad rap. God permits fog, so better good night uh, can come out of it. Yeah, amen. Uh, Buddy has a question. I think he asked this yesterday, but we didn't get around to it. We were discussing the hiking trip. Um, uh, sorry, I, gotta, I just got a hiccup. Uh, in debating Protestants, I bring up Jesus's edict to say, real quick, is it Jesus's or is it just Jesus? Like whenever you use it in the possessive form. Anyway, uh, St. Peter, uh, in debating Protestants, I bring up Jesus' edict to St. Peter and the authority in interpreting scripture and the binding. My position is God did not give any religion or person to interpreting scripture. God did not give, my position is God did not give any religion or person to interpreting scripture. So any not give any religion person interpreting scripture. So any position on interpreting scripture is superfluous other than Holy Mother Church. You mean uh, you mean he did not give authority outside of the Holy Mother Church to interpret scripture? Uh, I think that's probably what you meant. You can correct us if that's not what you meant. But um, what I find fascinating about that argument, talking about uh, talking to Protestants in particular, is how you can state the case just out of scripture alone, let alone tradition, right? Um, but also, one of the things I always bring up is how in the Old Testament, uh, the fact that the Hebrew in the Old Testament was written to exclude vowels meant that the only interpretive authority was that of the Israelite community. Like, they had to be the one. You, if you came across that scroll, you could interpret it in many ways because you were having to figure out what vowels were needed there. You'd have to add them back in. So the only true authority was the one that had that tradition handed down from one generation to the next and maintained and guarded that tradition from one generation to the next, which is why they took it serious. So the whole phone game thing, you know, as kids, we play the phone game the, the, where we would get in a line and we whisper something over here down the line. It would get to the end. It would be completely separate. Well, that's just not the case for the tradition handing things down one to the other when you are intentionally trying to guard that tradition like the Israelites did with the interpretation of their scriptures. Similarly, you go to the pagans, right? The, uh, the Plains Indians or many Indian tribes uh, throughout the world, they intentionally make sure that they're very specific in handing down the stories and, this, and uh, the, t- uh, the, uh, the traditions from one generation to the next. Very specific. So the whole phone game thing doesn't work. Which now, So now you take all of that and you, you fast forward into the New Testament. Well, similarly, Jesus sets up a, an authority, which we saw in Matthew 16, for example. But one of my favorites is going to Matthew 18. And when Jesus says, if a brother sins against you, go to him and try to win him back. And if he doesn't listen to you, take, uh, take uh, someone with you. Take the witnesses, the legal requirement for witnesses. Take them with you. And if you won't listen to them, then take it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him like a tax collector and a heathen. In other words, cast him out. So you see the authority there is uh, is with the church. Now, you might say to your Protestant friend, okay, well, whose church does Jesus mean here? Does he mean yours? Does he mean mine? Does he mean a different one? Because clearly the intent, based on that one passage alone, is that there is a single authority with binding power. Not many, 
not your flavor versus my flavor, your personal interpretation versus mine, but there is a single authority and that authority has that binding power. That's the intent and the heart of our Lord. And so then you might, he might be able to argue, well, that's not yours for sure. It's, it's something else. But then you can progress in the conversation from there, but it's clear from the intent of the heart of the, from Christ himself, just on sacred scripture, that the intent is that the, that, that authority that was present in the Old Testament to guard the tradition and the teaching is passed on into the new, down into the new, the new Israel, which is the church, which is Holy Mother Church. Amen. Uh, it's, I'm actually going to be doing, so I met a Protestant guy at a, uh, I actually talked about this back uh, whenever it happened. Uh, the Saturday before last, I was out at the abortion clinic and we were praying outside and there was this Protestant guy trying to hand materials to ladies that are going into the clinic um, into the, into the abortion mill. Uh, it's not really a clinic. I don't want to call it that. The, um, and so afterwards we were talking to him and we were talking about, he wanted to talk about salvation, but of course, any question on, on interpretation of scripture will always go back to who has the authority. And so while we were discussing, we of course went back to talking about authority. And I, after we talked for like an hour and a half, I was like, tell you what, why don't we, uh, hop on our, my podcast, uh, and we talk about this sometime and he agreed so uh later in october he we're gonna i'm gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about salvation um and the authority of uh of scripture so is so uh, kind of like the sola scriptura debate the canon of scripture debate that kind of thing so we're gonna have that discussion um at the sometime in october so cool just uh, keep that in mind that's neat uh, i'll let you know when whenever we do it that used to be like the main conversation on catholic radio that was like what you heard all the time on Catholic radio was, where is that in scripture? You Catholics believe this. How do you prove that? Like that was the, the conversation. That that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yeah, it's kind of been beat to death. It's kind of a... Well, most- I just think that society has changed so much that uh, atheism, agnosticism, those are the main conversations people are having today. And so the debates are centered around why should you believe in God at all versus... Where is that in Scripture? So I just think that that era of Catholic apologetics against uh, Protestantism is sort of past for the most part, and the conversation has changed. Quite I a suppose, bit. but the reason in theology they still do debates with uh, Protestants there. I'm sure they do. Uh, which yeah. uh, there's a couple places. What else they also do? Catholic answer still pints of the Aquinas. Pints of the Aquinas. Yeah, I've, I've seen it, yeah. but it's just a lot less now. I mean, if you listen, if you listen to Catholic radio, which by the way. You should support your local Catholic radio station. I mean, in an era of digital censorship, Catholic radio still has an opportunity to have unique conversations. Um, so make sure you do. But if you listen to Catholic radio, even programs you wouldn't normally listen to, listen to the callers calling in. They're not asking those questions as often anymore. They're asking, my, my children have fallen away from the faith. They have become agnostics and atheists. And what should I do about that? Or my husband is he doesn't believe, doesn't take us to church. Or, or there's just so many of those types of questions. Versus, hey, where in Scripture can I tell my my sister uh, that we have a pope or that Our Lady is special? Like that conversation just doesn't happen nearly as often. Yeah, yeah I, I find a lot of the conversation now surrounds the inter-Catholic debates. Like, yeah, that's uh, becoming more of an issue. Oh, it, way more of an yesterday, issue than previous years. La- yesterday, last night, me and my buddies were talking about this because it was literally happening at like ten o'clock at night. We were laying; I was laying in bed, and my roommate was uh, laying on the floor because he sleeps on the floor for some reason, like a like a strange a person. 
I suppose. Um, I wouldn't call him that, though. Uh, <laughs> at least not to his face. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he was, we were talking about it. Uh, Father Casey with Breaking in the Habit put out a video questioning the um, the timeline of the gospel, pushing it back to a very, very late date whenever mm-hmm. most scholars, uh, at least most Catholic scholars, mm-hmm. uh, will date it like before 70 or at least all the scripture is being put together before 100. And that's a pretty common view. But he was making the, trying to argue that it was a later date and kind of putting the scriptures into question in general. Um, now, if you can go watch the video yourself and see, maybe you don't think that that's what he was doing, mm-hmm. but it kind of felt that way. And in the, in the talk, when it, so he, so Trent Hoare made a response video talking about, no, like, here's a better look at the scripture, uh, the scriptures. This is probably an earlier day. This is why. And, uh, they've gotten a little Twitter spat on, uh, on Twitter, obviously, but they, uh, <laughs> uh, being redundant. Um, but the, and so in the, in it, what he made a couple really interesting points. Father Casey did mm-hmm. a couple interesting points. He said, this is something that he said, I don't know why people are being upset with me. Why are so many people being angry with me and saying, calling me a heretic and being mean to me? Um, because this is what's taught at most major exactly. seminaries. And I was like, mm, very telling. Very and telling. And he goes on and he says, uh, I was, I've gone to two major seminaries and I was taught this at two major seminaries and this is taught at most seminaries. He goes on. Does that make it right, Father Case? Right, exactly. No. Exactly. And he goes on. And when he goes on and talk about it, he also makes the point, and Trent Horn calls him out on it, as he says, uh, why is, I do not, I don't think this is worth uh, debating over. I mean, it's just different theologies. Oh, and, my heavens. And, uh, and Trent Horn makes the point, he goes, well, here, the, that's the key problem. The Bible is not theology, it's history, the Gospels. And he said, that's the problem. When you're looking at the, at the uh, New Testament, and you, lo- and you think, Oh, this is theology and not this is history, then we're we're already falling into errors. Yeah. Uh so I think your that truth was like, is wow. your truth and my truth is my truth. Yeah. Very That's telling. essentially what that boils down to. Very you know, telling. what's interesting to me because I, I I started out, you know, when converts come in, they come through phases, generally speaking. I'm gonna paint with a wide brush here. Uh it could be different for individuals. But you know, converts like myself who come into the church, we have to go through phases. There is the apologetics phase, right, where we are studying the arguments and we're looking at Catholic responses, and you get the early church father phase, and you, you just go through these phases. And when, it, when I was going through that myself and having to uh, look at what the church was teaching about certain issues like, like the Scripture and the authority in Scripture, trying to overcome this whole sola scriptura bias that I had built and ingrained in me, one of the things I looked at was this issue of did the apostles uh, or the evangelists whose name we have given uh, to these uh, Gospels, were they the actual writers? And the reason why that even became a conversation in my mind, in my heart, that I had to research was because Catholics, clergy members of the Catholic faith, were trying to tell me that, no, in fact, they weren't written by those people. We just gave them those names, and we just stuck with them, but it didn't have anything to do with them, actually. And I was so like, wait, hold on. 
is that true? Is what you're saying true? Oh, no, John did not write that a gospel. That was written by the Stoic Greek philosopher community. I'm like, is that true? Like, oh, yeah, that's what I learned in seminary. So I went and I did my own research and I looked at the early church fathers. And when you look at the earliest uh, copies of of documents that reference these these um, these gospels, let alone the actual codex that uh, the earliest manuscripts we have of these documents, they are always attributing the document to the author with the name. Like you look at the Miratorium Fragment, 150 AD. The Miratorium Fragment reveals that the church debated what was in, what was considered canonical and not canonical, and what was the what was the litmus test? It what was read at Holy Mass, not at your favorite Bible study. What was being read at the liturgy, especially at parishes that were founded by the apostles themselves? That was the litmus test for, for what was considered inspired and canonical in the earliest centuries of the Holy Mother Church. And they, in that document, it references Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as not even debatable. It wasn't even up for debate, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and that's what's interesting to me <clears throat> in that argument. Just because something is taught at a seminary does not necessarily mean it's good, because as we all know, bad things can happen at seminary, which is why we have to routinely, every generation or so, go do some house cleaning. Right. Right? We got to clean house, set reset things, and, uh, and like spring cleaning has to happen at your house, well, it has to happen at seminaries too. Yeah, and one thing that to note is, um, well, a couple things to note, but one thing in particular is... What I pointed out during the gospel reflection today, the whenever our Lord uh, Cornelius points out, whenever our Lord, uh, whenever James and, and John ask, "Wilt thou that we command?" and Jerome uh, comments on it, saying that the apostles can affect nothing unless by the permission and will of God. That's so important. It because doesn't belong to them. It does not belong to them. They yeah. hold the deposit of faith and they pass it on. And if they do not pass it on, they are in error. They are required by Christ because Christ is king. The Pope is not the king of the church. Right. Uh, he is his uh, steward. His, his steward. His uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The uh, uh, the al- the al- I'm forgetting the term. The guy who stands before the king. Uh, he's the the prime key, minister. The prime minister, but they, there's a word that they use in in uh, the Davidic kingdom, and I'm forgetting the name of the word. Oh, I know exactly. Uh, uh, I I know exactly yeah, what you anyway. mean to say too. And if you look into, um, I want to say Brant Petrie's book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. I want to say it's referenced in there as yeah, well. Yeah, it's referenced a lot of places. But anyway, the the idea is he's standing in the place of Christ at this moment. But Christ is king. The Pope isn't king. He does not have the power to uh, to destroy the church. He does not have that power. The, he doesn't have the power church. to change the church. church. He doesn't have the power to you change know, the church. Uh, my wife and I, we gave, uh, we used to be, uh, we gave a talk to engaged couples at a pre-Canic conference for a few years up in New Hampshire in the diocese in Manchester. And we, our job was to give the talk on the church's teaching on human sexuality and marriage. And uh, every time we would give this talk, I could see the squirming in the seats, right? Nobody wanted to listen to that talk for starters because you knew they were cohabitating. They were using contraception, and they were just trying to check a box so they can get married in the church. And I know that because I was one. I sat there, and I know the look. I, I used to be that same person, so I could recognize it easy. And every time we give the talk, 
we would ask, hey, are there any questions? And nobody would ever ask a question. Well, I got one question in, I think, two or three years of doing that work with my wife. One question. And the only question I ever got was, why doesn't the church allow for women to become priests? And uh, it just so happened by the gift of the Holy Ghost, I had just read, like a day or two before, John Paul II's response to that very same question. And so I said to her, well, as JP2 would say, uh, because we do not possess the authority to change that which Christ uh, established. Mm -hmm. And let that set in. He's spot on. They do not possess the authority to change, to invent, to get creative. They have the job of being stewards uh, and working for the king and uh, being guardians of tradition, but also their job is to feed the people in due season with the holy sacraments. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why when Jesus used the parable about the, the chief steward who gets caught in the middle of the night when the master returns being abusive to the people whom he's supposed to be caring for, it's him who gets in trouble. It's him who gets chastised and scourged. Um, that, is, uh, that, that should frighten every pope, for sure, every bishop as well. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. It's so important to, to remember that, um, that very, the, the, the authority comes from Christ and it, what is true is true no matter who says it and whatever is false and what is false, no matter who says it. And our Lord has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we do believe in papal infallibility, but whenever it comes to discipline of the church, like we talked about yesterday, uh, we cannot change what has been given onto us. We have a duty to hand on what has been given to us. So today there's some stories out about Pope Francis, His Holiness, making comments about off-the-cuff comments, not thought through or meditated upon, but off-the-cuff comments about the the movement towards tradition being a fad. Mm, You know, and the more I think about that, the more I'm like, golly gee whiz, why in the world would you think that the tradition itself is a fad? Like like going retro, right? Like, uh, Like sometimes we have retro clothing styles that come back you know i'll never forget it as as a teenager seeing bell bottoms again i'm like they were horrible the first time what are we doing why are we doing bell bottoms again that's just ridiculous or like yeah we see retro styles in uh, cars you know we brought back the bronco recently the dodge charger things like that we see retro styles those are fads that come and go the tradition of the church the patrimony of holy mother church is not a fad one grows deeper in relation to uh, uh, to their orientation towards Christ. It's not a fad, you know. Um, it just that always bugs me. So to understand tradition is not to understand it by way of an emotional thing, but uh, it's more of an orientation towards a deeper unity with Christ Himself. And um, the one, the the more one grows in love with Christ, the more one wants more of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Not less. We want more. Give me more. And, uh, and that's the, the part that I find troubling about those in the hierarchy that would see this as some sort, of pa- some sort of fad that comes and goes, like the flavor of the month kind of thing. It's very troubling. Janice, you are going to yeah, say something? Yeah, it's very sad. I was just thinking about um, all the families. I know a lot of families here in Houston who are going to give up or are, are being forced to give up their Not just local- here. Not just here. Not just here. All I over mean, the world. Yeah. But I mean, I guess close to home for us, it's uh, here in Houston, starting as of October 
1st, which is, I think, this Saturday. Is it this Saturday, October 1st? Yes, it's uh, uh, Friday. As of as of this October, the Archdiocese here in Houston won't be allowing the traditional Latin Mass. In, except in two places. Except in two places, which yeah. is really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. it is unfortunate. Uh, Josh Patterson, my roommate, he says... Um, or I guess my apartment mate. I have a roommate and an apartment mate, I suppose. My non-Catholic grandpa told me the church is going to change its position on gay marriage in about 10 years. He can only think that way because there are people within the church who also think and act that way. Yeah, that's it's very true. And that goes back to what Joe was talking about with John Paul II in regards to, to women priests. Um, this is not something like, so we can give theological arguments. We can say, okay, yes, this is why our Lord taught this. This is why we believe this thing. And we can explain theologically, philosophically, the roots and problems with homosexuality, with why, uh, women priesthood is not, uh, even possible. But ultimately, ultimately, the answer goes back to what John Paul II was saying. We do not have the authority to change what Christ has said. Which brings up another nuanced point, and I hate bringing up nuanced points because the vast majority of Catholics don't live in the nuance, but um, I remember one time, a long, long time ago, when I was going through my apologetics phase, um, and I was studying all this stuff, and I was reading Pat Madrid's uh, Pope Fiction to try to get my head wrapped around some of the bad popes in in our history, and uh, I had a Catholic gentleman say to me that, you know, we used to have more than one pope. And I said to him, we've never had more than one pope. Oh, we have. We we had this time and that time. I'm like, there's never been more than one pope. There's been, uh, there have been people who have contended for being the pope. They've had great supporters to support their cause, but there's never been more than one pope. There's only only one vicar of Christ on earth. We just don't know exactly which one it is, but that doesn't change the fact there's only one. So that level of nuance, right? So here's another nuance that I want to throw out there. So it, it, let's just pretend that the church, uh, the those those in authority in the church, the hierarchy of the church, have come out and say, gay marriage is okay today. Abortion is perfectly fine. Let's just say they say some crazy thing like that. Does the church's teaching change? No. No, it can't change. It's impossible. They don't have the authority to change. They can say whatever they want, issue press releases, and and do whatever. That doesn't doesn't mean the church's teaching actually changes. And that's part of the issue, too. The problem is 99% of Catholics don't live in that level of nuance. They don't pay attention to these things. Only uh, talking heads and ivory tower warriors are the ones doing the reading and the, and the debating. And uh, the average Catholic is just not there. And so that's where they get led astray because they see that press release come out of uh, the press office at the Vatican State. And they're like, oh, well, things have changed then. Well, you know, that's the reality. You can't change church's teaching. You can't. You can say all you wish, but that doesn't mean it's changed. It's like my child waking up tomorrow and uh, t- today and saying, you know what? From here on out, I'm in charge of this house. and uh, Dad is no longer in charge. Mom and Dad have no more authority. It's what I say that goes. They can say that all they wish. Is it true? Nope. And trust me, when I get home, <laughs> we're going to have a house cleaning. On a day and an hour when they do not expect, I will arrive and catch them when they least expect it. And then there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, to be sure. Yeah, the kids said the same thing to me. (laughs) Every time dad comes home, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Uh, Michelle says, male-female roles are designed by God. Yay and amen. Equal, but not the same, right? We have, we have different jobs and duties. That's why we're built differently. Uh, and one does not need to compete with the other. Praise be to God. Um, let's see who else here. We're about to run out of time here. Michelle says, yeah, we've had bad popes in the past, so we know what one is in present time. Kind of to your comment, Joe, it kind of seems like the press release or mainstream media is the voice of truth in our society today. Uh, which <laughs> Isn't is, that sad? Yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> it's like whatever the news says, it, it must yeah, be true must because be. it's mainstream. It's, it it's what everyone is talking about. That's um, so funny that you say that. I was listening to a debate that uh, Scott Hahn was doing. And he, <laughs> I, was it was it Scott Hahn? I can't remember. He was doing With a debate. James White? And I might have been. And he was saying, he said something along the lines of like, they were arguing about, he's like, you say that the, bi- oh, no, no, no. It was Trent Horn was debating an atheist. And the atheist was throwing the infallibility thing on um, on uh, Trent. And so Trent was arguing about the definition of the word objective. And he goes, well, Webster's Dictionary says, and uh, the and, uh, the atheist was quoting Webster's Dictionary. And Trent Horn goes, right, because nothing's infallible except for Webster's Dictionary. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the news today. That, that's what's infallible now. That's what's infallible mm. now. Well, praise be to God. Uh, all right, so tomorrow, coming up on the program, Rosario Riley, Aquinas in Classical Education, Sean Carney from 40 Days for Life. Those are our guests tomorrow. Later this week, Thursday, we've got Edward Penton, the next pope, the leading cardinal candidates. That's going to be on our program. And then on uh, Friday, a very special guest, uh, Master Chief Edward Byers, Navy SEAL, uh, who earned the Medal of Honor in his actions. It's going to be on our program. We're going to talk about... How hard is it to live in a state of grace as a Catholic in the Navy SEAL community? Was he SEAL Team 6? I I don't know. I believe he was. I believe he was. Um, But we're going to talk to him on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. All of that coming up at Catholic Drive Time this week. Do us a favor. Share us with friends. Smash the like button and the share button. That is super helpful to us, so we'd be very grateful to you. Make sure you're on our email list, CDT Insider email.